We'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for February 17th, 2013. And today, the study is going to be pretty much dedicated to just the one subject of the whole Pope Benedict resigning this uh, Malachi prophecy. Um, looking at that through a biblical lens, trying to have biblical balance when dealing with this particular subject. It's what we're going to really be keen on today, uh, because this does, <clears throat> could have a major impact on end-time biblical prophecy, and this could be happening rather quickly. It's going to be happening rather quickly, because obviously he stepped down, they're going to be... Um, electing another Pope here very soon. And we want to look at this from a biblical uh, perspective. So I got an email this week, and it said, uh, Dr. Johnson, you mentioned near the end that you might not do a program next week. May I suggest that there is an urgent need for one, even if it's a brief and limited to a single sound clip, which would be adequate. I say this because emails I have received, as well as internet chatter, are disturbing in that, with the resignation of Benedict XVI, Pope Benedict XVI, People are bandying the Mal, Mal, Malachi prophecy about the way they did uh, regarding the December 21st, 2012 end of the Mayan calendar non-event. And the Malachi prophecy risks becoming the 2013 equivalent as increasingly frustrated and des- despairing people seek an apocalyptic way out of their situation. Actually, it would be great if Malachi were correct as he only predicted the end of popery and the end of Rome, not the end of the world. People in numbers are equating the history of a pagan Christian surviving element of the Roman uh, Empire with the fate of the world. At any rate, I think people need a wake-up call on this. The time is right because many will be forced to remember with embarrassment how they were drawn into the whole Mayan end-of-the-world scenario in spite of being professing Christians. Meanwhile, if this is going to be the last pope, I will start chilling the champagne now. So, anyway, um, that's what we're going to be talking about today. I'm going to try to look at this from a balanced biblical perspective here. Uh, Obviously, the ones that are at the spear tip of this, and have been, are Tom Horn, Raiders News Network, Chris Putnam. Now, I've issued... Warnings about this ministry. Uh, I was on a, you know, I had Tom's email address for a long time, and we would correspond back and forth. And it wasn't until he started getting into all this Catholic stuff that I really, and I warned him, I I emailed him, I'm like, hey, listen, you know, (laughs) uh, you're putting way too much stock in all these Catholic prophecies and all these Catholic supposed saints, and all of their dogma. It seems like, why are you so fixated on this? Why do we have to have all of this Catholic prophetic garbage in order to know, to to get the full end time deception picture? Why do we have to have that? It's the most wicked pseudo-Christian faction Period. 
pseudo-Christian, false Christians. It is the tip of the spear of the coming end-time satanic delusion. And they have been for years. The blood of 50 million plus martyrs on their hands, at least. And that's just from the Inquisitions. And that might be double that number. The pedophilic priesthood. All the extra-biblical lies that they operate in. Why is it that we have to have that in order to know the truth? Kind of seems contradictory to me. Why do I want to yoke myself up with unbelievers when the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6.14 to be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers? They teach another gospel. It's a false gospel. It is a gospel based on works. Keeping the seven sacraments. All this garbage. It is an abomination in the sight of God. It has taken, well, not only with the 50 million martyrs, or the 50 million people they killed during the Inquisition, many of them were true born-again Bible-believing Christians. I mean, they were dying for stuff like, you know, the Catholic Church says, "You, you must believe in infant baptism in order. And they would kill them for something like that. Because they would not recant and say, no, baptism's after you get saved. It's a profession, essentially reaffirming your profession of faith. And this type of thing. They kill him over something like that. I mean, what kind of insanity is that? The the torture methods that they used in order to um, bring about confessions through torture. Yeah, there's a lot of Bible for that. I mean, a lot of Bible. All of the evil that is spawned from that satanically filled demonic black death cult known as the Roman Catholic Church. Why do I have to have that in order to know the truth? It it just seems really mega contradictory to me. Call me crazy, you know, I guess. It is a works-based death cult. And if you go down and, and you believe in the, and you're a Catholic and you believe in the and, and that's what you follow, you end up in hell, bottom line. So not only can you look at the blood of the of the let's say conservatively 50 million people they killed during the Inquisitions, but look at all the souls they've taken to hell in the religion itself. Millions, no billions. Billions of souls writhing in hell right now because of this satanic black devil institution that preaches another gospel. And the Bible says if we or an angel preach any other gospel than that that's in the Bible, let him be accursed. It says it twice, accursed. Let him be accursed. So that's what God thinks about the Catholic Church. So, this is why I'm so reluctant to jump on the bandwagon and, you know, hey, you know, we gotta have this. You know, we just gotta have all these Catholic prophecies and things like this in order to really get it. We gotta have that Apocrypha, too, you know, and all of the other Catholic garbage, Maccabees and all these other extra-biblical books in order to... I just don't understand why we have to emphasize all that other garbage that is leavened and tainted from these supposed saints that are now burning and rotting in hell? Is that is that a red is that a green light or a red light there? Okay. We're going off these 
prophecies, okay, St. Malachi or whatever, this guy's burning in hell right now. Burning in hell. And I'm supposed, as a Christian, supposed to go back to that and say, oh no, but it was only the truth that he ever put out. Yeah, he's burning in hell right now for eternity, as are all the popes and all the other people that have followed this devil death cult straight into hell. And I'm supposed to go to them as a source of truth? Call me wacky. Call me crazy. I just don't see any Bible for it. Why can't we be fixated on the Word of God? On the King James Bible, for the English-speaking language, why can't, we be, why can't that just be good enough? Why do we need all this extra-biblical garbage in order to just finally know the truth? Why do we have to have these Christian bookstores that are filled? You can barely find a King James Bible. They'll, they'll give you all their other perverted Bibles, which are ultimately translated from corrupt Catholic manuscripts, spawned from the 1881 Revised Version. And then all these other authors and authors and authors. Oh, you got to have this to know the truth. Yeah. And Jesus Christ warned that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect in the times that we're living in false prophets and these types of things and all these people that are doing it for the money, mostly. They want to write a book, make money, put out their heartfelt opinion when the Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? He who trusteth in his own heart is a fool. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. The Bible is very clear on that. These books typically are not biblically based or if they are, they're biblically based with Bible verses skewed This is how cults get started. Pseudo-Christian cults get started this exact way. Mormonism, Jehovah Witnesses, Seventh-day Adventists, Catholicism, all take the Bible and twist it into their own warped, disgusting interpretation. And then they always have extra-biblical prophecies or other books, like in Mormonism, the Book of Mormon, the Pearl of Great Price, these types of things. Always have these other extra-biblical things. Like, Jehovah Witnesses have their Watchtower magazine, which is supposedly divinely, uh, angelically inspired. Even though they predicted the end of the world, I don't know how many times wrong. Guess those angels were having an off day. Um, Fallen angels. Uh, Why do we have to have all this extra stuff? Why isn't the Word of God good enough? That's my whole question about all of this. I like to distill it down. And to not sit here and nitpick over this or that as far as these prophets. Let's look at the big picture here. So this is my biggest problem with all of this Catholic garbage that I've exposed over and over and over again. All of the false, evil, religious aspects of this pseudo-Christian Death cult is what I call call it. I just don't understand we have to have it. Now, this is right off Tom Horn's website. The header to his current rep website reads, Major Media asks Horn and Putnam to explain what Benedict's resignation means. Answer, and now we know Pope Benedict secretly, secretly resigned in 2012, right when Tom Horn and Chris Putnam said, uh, he would in their book Petrus Romanus. 
And this classified fact was held in strict confidence at the Vatican. Well, there was a lot of stuff from last year saying this guy's health was in heavy-duty decline and there was a very good chance he was going to resign at spring of this year. So, okay, you could say, oh, it's the, it's the Mal- Malkany prophecy being fulfilled, but also, this was also well-known. I read about this last year, so it didn't surprise me. Doesn't mean that it's not biblically end-time significant. See, what I'm trying to do here today is let's look at the big picture, let's have a balanced biblical look at this whole thing without getting in bed with the Catholic Church. Why do we have to get down, you know, in that disgusting pit with the Catholic Church in order to find the truth? I'm not going to do it. I don't care how much somebody beats on me or says this or that about, you've got to give in, you've got, I will never, ever, ever do it. I won't. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Jesus Christ said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees, which is their doctrine. Leaven is a type of sin. It only takes a little bit of, it's like the yeast, it only takes a little bit of yeast to make the whole bread, the dough of bread rise. It only takes a little bit of bad doctrine to corrupt everything. And there's just so much bad doctrine within the Catholic Church. You have to be very careful who you're spiritually yoking up with who you're spiritually pointing people to. I listened to an interview um, the other day with them on uh, Hagman and Hagman. And honestly, the first whole part of it sounded like if you didn't know Tom Horn or Putnam, you would think they were Catholic apologists. You would think that they were there representing the Catholic Church Saying, you know, well, you know, this and that. And they were giving all this credence and all this stuff. Nothing was really negatively said about them at all. Now, in some of their stuff, they will say negative things. Like, I, I took a long time this week and read through a lot of their material regarding this. And they were indicting, like, at certain times, the Jesuits. And this types of stuff. And I was glad to see that. Okay? I was glad. But... The other so far outweighs the, the, the actual pointing to, the actual fixation on all of this Catholic stuff far outweighs any little bit of negative that they've said. We need to be emphasizing the evil, the soul-damning evil of this church, of this false pseudo-death cult that is most likely going to be the literal backbone of the coming one world religion of the false prophet and antichrist. There's a good chance that this next pope may be the false prophet. We could be literally that close to the start of the tribulation. I acknowledge that. I'm not saying that's not the case. Okay? Because that's what they're saying too. I would have no problem. But can we please stop Pointing people. Because it sends such a terrible message to born-again Bible-believing Christians. It makes the Catholic Church... The, the way that, that I, my impression that I get when I, when I see all this stuff is that... They're saying that the Catholic Church could be very much corrupted by this next Pope. Okay? Which, I'm not having a problem with that at all. The problem that, that I run into is it's more like... 
the Catholic Church of times past really wasn't bad. It's just this new guy that's going to come on the scene is really going to mess things up. As it hasn't always been this pedophilic devil cult doctrine of the Nicolaitans which Jesus says that doctrine I hate in Revelation what what does that mean? Doctrine of, of the Nicolaitans is when you have a priest class that rules over the laity oh I am holier than thou you need to come to me for confession no there's one mediator between God and man the man Christ Jesus we go to Jesus Christ through Father God That's who we confess our sins to. We don't confess it to a priest. And that's just one of the many, many, many bowing down to idols. (laughs) All the idols they've got in their religion, which is a huge racket. (laughs) They make millions, probably billions on every year, just on all their little devil idols. And every one of those comes with its own devil, free of charge. Maybe they make a little surcharge on the demon, I don't know. But you get a nice big fat demon every time you get one of those medallions or medals or whatever you want to have on your dashboard or your car or whatever you bring in your house or in your front lawn. There is a devil attached to that. It's an idol. Isn't it funny that that's the commandment they removed? <laughs> that shall not bow thyself down unto idols. They removed that commandment and split. It's either the ninth or tenth commandment in two, so they still have ten commandments. That's how wicked and evil this devil institution is. I could go on and on and on, and I have, documenting the wicked, evil fruit of this disgusting religion. Jesus Christ said you will know them by their fruit. Their fruit's evident. So hopefully I've made my point there on on my, my premise, how I'm approaching this study that we're doing today. So they're saying, they're, they're posing this question here. Uh, um, and now we know Pope Benedict resigned in 2012, right when Tom Horn and Chris Putnam said he would, he would in their book Petrus Romanus. And this classified fact was held in strict confidence at the Vatican, which, quote, no one could violate. And this is from the New York Times. The question is, how did they know what was impossible to learn? Well, that's kind of my question as well. Because... Guaranteed, they just took a tour of this Vatican telescope, which is called Lucifer, at Mount Graham Observatory, and nobody can get into that place. It has unbelievable security. They were even, and I read the account, I'm going to do another study on that. And they're like, how did you get into this place? All the astronomers are Jesuits. This is the most wicked faction of Catholicism, the Jesuits, the backbone of evil. And they're in there palling around with the Jesuits, and the Jesuits are being real forthcoming about all of this. How do you get that type of access? I mean, sorry, but that by itself doesn't look very good to me. Oh, God, open the doors. Okay. Okay. Whatever. And God's telling you to point everybody to all these Catholic prophecies, which points back to Catholicism and the validation of Catholicism, ultimately. Yes, things are going to get corrupt now. No, they've always been corrupt. Always been black and corrupt. Never was there a time that this wasn't a soul-damning death cult. From its very inception, 
and I believe it was 314 A.D. under Constantine. There has never been a time that this, this institution wasn't pure evil. Why can't we talk about that? That's not mentioned. There's very, very little that is mentioned in their research that has any, I mean, there's hardly anything you'd listen to in their conversations that would ever offend any Catholics. Why aren't we telling the Catholics that they're going to hell, they're going to rot in hell forever, unless they get out of this cult? Isn't that the right and merciful thing to do? Or is it to, no, 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 let's point everybody back to Catholicism and all of these supposed prophecies and validate them and make the Catholics feel all warm and fuzzy because you've got supposedly a born-again group of Christians over here saying that, no, no, this is, this is, this is good, this is good. We're not going to say anything negative about your institution, even though it's taking people to hell by the second, every day, all the time. We don't want to emphasize that. Oh, they're going to burn in hell forever, but, you know, hey, it's collateral damage, evidently. That's how I see it. That's how I see it. So, um, going further, let's listen to this video that's at the header, essentially, of their website right now. It says, watch the video below and get the book that predicted it all. There's so much advertising up there. I have... uh, It is so geared toward marketing of whatever book they've got that you've got to have that's all based on this Catholicism stuff. It is sickening. The, the, The... Just the flagrant... I don't know, I'm sorry, but it looks like greed factor to me. Got more stuff up there you can buy than you can shake a stick at. And it's always this, this, you've got to have this. No, I don't. Let's play this video. St. Malachi. Malachi Morgare was nothing less than a saint. But despite his... So, Malachi Morgare was nothing less than a saint. What what kind of signal is that? That's saying that he's in heaven right now. He was a Catholic. Therefore, Catholicism can lead you to heaven just like Bible-believing Christianity. What kind of... Evil message is that sending right off the bat. He was nothing less than a saint. This is Tom Horn's video. This is the one he's got on his website at the very top. Malachi's burning in hell right now. That's what should be stated first off. But no, he was nothing less than a saint. So, again, you know, I'm just... (laughs) Guess I'm crazy for feeling that way, though. Faith in the mercy of God, he was forced to bear witness to a terrifying vision of divine wrath, a biblical apocalypse that he predicted would occur in our time. Malachi Morgare was the first Irish saint to be canonized by a pope. 
he was known. So we're we're giving all of the, uh, the we're giving the resume, the accolades of Malachi. This is Chris Putnam here, and all they're doing is praising the guy. He was a Catholic, demon possessed devil, and I'm going to show you how he got this supposed divine foreknowledge, which really wasn't even that accurate in the end. I'm going to go over all of that. You're only getting one side here. This would be, if, if, you, if you had like Catholic today, they would have no problem showing this video on there at all. Not one bit. This would be promoting Catholicism and the validity of, of Catholicism. To, to have some supernatural miracles associated with him. He's most famous now for his prophecy of the popes. Now again, that was Chris Putnam, co-author of Petros Romanus with Tom Horn. That was Chris Putnam's voice. In 39, Malachi made a pilgrimage to Rome to visit the Pope. While ascending one of the city's fabled seven hills, he was struck by a revelation from God. Oh, revelation from God. Oh, really? Wow. We're going to see. And I'm sure God is up there... It's almost like if you believe this, God is up there in this like uh, sadistic little thing where, oh, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna show the little bit of the Catholics the truth, and and I'm gonna try to deceive everybody into thinking that that's the truth. Why would God do that? No, the devil would do that. The devil loves false religion more than any other thing because he can control people and take them to hell and and accomplish his goal in their life which is getting them into hell where he knows he's going to end up well actually the lake of fire ultimately misery loves company that's his main goal he's using the catholic church and all false religion on the planet to do that and a video like this does nothing but send that mixed signal Basically, to true born-again Bible-believing Christians, or people that might even be on the fence, that no, no, the Catholic Church is valid, and they have good prophecies, and there are people that are in heaven that were Catholics, and these are divine revelations from God. No, you can't, you, you, you cannot believe that, and believe the Catholic religion's evil. Obviously, I hope you see what we're, we're examining here. And the story goes that he fell into a trance... All that night, he would mention these Latin phrases. Di meditatia lune, flows florum, passer et nautua, di laboris solis. Each one of these Latin phrases would match up to the reign of a particular pope. And in that vision, he saw 112 popes up until the tribulation time, to the end. And according to St. Malachi's prediction, this end time... Following the reign of the 112th Pope is right around the corner. We're at 111 now. Pope Benedict XVI is 111. If Malachi's vision was true prophecy, there will be only one more Pope to follow Benedict XVI who turned 85 in 2012. In other words, our time may be running out. But why should we believe him? Malachi didn't just predict the number of popes before the end of the world. He also predicted who they would be with startling precision. And what you find is an accuracy. 
Now, we're going to look at this. You're getting one side of the story here. Just remember that in this video. Because they've got to make this Malcolmy, Malcony look uh, like he was just, you know, nailed it every time, got it right. Uh, and that's not the case at all. Okay? But this is the premise they're, they're having to come from in order to validate the whole, their whole premise. You know? I would say that exceeds 80%, which I can tell you, that got me fascinated by these prophecies and that he's one of the greatest prophets I've ever encountered. So again, what is that? what signal does that send you? He's a prophet of God, but yet he was with the Catholic Church. So that means that I can get saved through the Catholic Church. Not so subtle. There's no condemnation of the Catholic Church. There's only promotion. There's only praise for it. Which, for a lot of people, that could mean, uh, let's say if they're on the fence, and they don't really know a whole lot about the Bible and salvation and things like this, it could make the difference between heaven and hell, this one video. We're not to lay a stumbling block before the brethren or anyone else. This video is nothing but a stumbling block and a source of confusion for a true born-again Bible-believing Christian that would be following Tom Horn, Chris Putnam, and Raiders News Network. It's beyond a mixed signal. And this is why I'm doing this audio today to expose this so that people hopefully don't fall for this, what we're, we're hearing here. So let's go back to the video. What makes it amazing is it gets more accurate as it gets to the end of the list. In fact, some of the ones more recently are, are quite astonishing. You have Benedict XV, who's called by Malachi, Religio Depopulata, which means religion devastated or depopulated. In his reign, the Christian faith was decimated. 25 million people dying from World War I. It's also the, the Christian faith? You notice how Catholics are referred to as Christians. There's no mixed signals there at all. No, Catholics are the same as Christians. That's the that is the absolute loud and clear signal. There's no there if you were just to listen to this video, there would be no debate about that. You see the subtlety here? You see the evil subtlety that is being used to once again validate the Catholic Church. Time of the Bolshevik Revolution in Russia. And scholars say that 200 million left the Russian Orthodox Church to join the Communist Party. Religion depopulated. After him. Okay, so again, so he's a true prophet, a true man of God. That means the Catholic religion is a true, true religion. That's, the, that's what I'm hearing loud and clear. I don't know about you. I mean, that's exactly what I'm hearing. Okay? Now, just because he might have had some prophecies that appear to be come to pass, we're going to look at that in detail. How that could be if he was not of God, because it can very easily be. And we're going to prove that this was not a man of God. Hopefully I've already done that, but I'm going to actually give you hardcore proofs and facts from a biblical standpoint of why this guy did not get his information from God, how he got it. We're going to look at that very shortly. Comes the papal giant John Paul II. The papal giant. De laboris solis, which means the sun's labor through eclipse. He was born in 1920 on a total eclipse. 
Oh, uh, boy. It was actually buried during a solar eclipse as well. Obviously, people can't manipulate eclipses. So apparently Malachi really did see a vision of the future. And it would, you would have to be divinely inspired, I would say. Divinely inspired. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. And again, I don't want to give too much away, but I'm going to get into this in detail in the next part here. Okay? This is, this is like, this reminds me of a recruitment video for the Catholic Church. But I'm the bad guy for pointing this out. I'm the bad guy. Because evidently, you know, I should, I should just keep my mouth shut and let, let the Catholic religion just keep taking people to hell and just keep my mouth shut about this type of stuff. It's what they'd like me to do, but I'm not going to. For it to, to match that accurately, that seems to be a little more than coincidence. Malachi's prophetic precision continues with the current Pope, Benedict XVI. Oh, he evil. Oh. Number 111, the final numbered motto, and that is the Gloria Olive, the glory of the olive, or from the glory of the olive. There is a group of Benedictines called the Olivetans. Their symbol is the olive branch. The glory of the olive would be the highest ranking among them, and there he is. We thought, Malachi's correct again. And now there's only one more pope in the line. Again, I'm sorry, but a lot of these to me, even though they say they're pinpoint accuracy, there's a lot of license here. I mean, some of this is kind of vague. It's not like, oh, yeah, it's exactly him. I mean, I knew it from the very beginning. Okay, if we read a whole lot into it, sure, I guess you could maybe make a case. But, again, they're maximizing every possible little phrase to make sure that Malachi is looked at in the greatest possible light, which will then validate their book they're selling. You're very close to the end of this prophecy. prophecy concludes with the succession of Pope Benedict by a man who will herald the end of the world. Malachi named this final Pope Petrus Romanus, Peter the Roman. The prophecy for the 112th Pope is in the extreme persecution of the Holy Roman Church. There will sit Peter the Roman. The Holy Roman Church. If Malachi was really a man of God, why would he call something so wicked and vile holy? will nourish the sheep during many tribulations. And when they are finished, the city of seven hills will be destroyed, and the dreadful judge will judge his people the end. And that's quite an ending, and it seems to intersect with biblical prophecy. The Malachi prophecy matches the book of Revelation in chapter 17 with the city of seven hills being judged. That being the case, it seems to me that it's predicting the events of the book of Revelation. Now, if that's true, then, then during the next Pope's reign, we will see the tribulation period predicted by the Bible. Okay, so that's that's the video. That's the main, main video they're directing everybody to. Which, again, it looks like a Catholic recruitment tool. It, to me, it's unbelievable. It's like they're willing to overlook all of the evil of Catholicism and just focus in on this. Which has been the trend there at Raiders News Network for now, years now, unfortunately. 
So, going back to, this is all uh, verbiage right off Tom Horn's website from just this last week. Although a Roman Catholic Pope had not stepped down in nearly 600 years, the startling resignation of Pope Benedict XVI was predicted by co-authors of a book published last spring about a medieval prophecy that the next pontiff will be the last. In Petrus Romanus, the final pope is here, co-authors Tom Horn and Chris Putnam examine the St. Malachi, Malachi or whatever's prophecy of the pope, said to be based on his prophetic vision of the next 112 popes. Beginning with Pope Celestine II, who died in 1144. Uh, Malachi presented a description of each pope, culminating in the final pope, Peter the Roman, who, whose reign would, be, would end with the destruction of Rome and judgment. Now, let's look a little bit more at Malachi. Benedictine Arnold de Wyon, in 1595, was the author of the prophecy of the popes. But his writings claim that St. Malachi, which was a 12th century archbishop of Armagh, was the actual composer. So, right off the bat, we've got some dude, Benedictine Arnold de Wyon in 1595, who was the author of the Prophecy of the Popes, who said, well, it was actually uh, St. Malachi who wrote this, but I'm bringing it to you now. So, how do we really know anything right off the bat of who wrote this and who didn't write it? The Bible says, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Psalm 11, verse 3. Right off the bat, the foundation of everything of what this is based is already in question. Okay? The prophecy is very accurate before 1590. Imagine that. But far less accurate afterward. Now that's kind of contradicting what those dudes were just saying on the video. They're saying, oh, it's stunningly accurate. The one guy says, oh, it's uh, up to 80% accuracy. 80%, eh? Okay. And that's somebody that's trying to sell books. That's somebody that's trying to point people to these cap- this Catholic supposed prophet. It's kind of funny, the prophecy is very accurate before 1590, as Benedictine Arnold de Wyon published this in 1595. Well, it wouldn't really be a big stretch for something that was published in 1595, if everything from 1590 backwards was accurate. Well, he knew history. <laughs> he knew the history. So, he could make those with, he could manipulate those supposed prophecies with stunning accuracy. You understand where I'm going here? A lot of red flags. A lot of leaven here already. It says, but these prophecies were far less accurate afterward. <laughs> okay. Leading some to decide that the prophecies were composed and released around that time period. Well, of course they were. Now, what's the test of a prophet in the Bible? Because I could really care less if what we all have an opinion on, or, or as far as the Catholic faith has about this guy. What, and there's a lot of even Catholics that don't like this guy. What does the Bible say is the test of a prophet? Deuteronomy 18, 20-22. But the prophet, which shall presume to speak a word in my name, which is what Malachi, Malachi, or whatever his name, was doing, a prophet which shall presume to speak a word in my name, 
which I have not commanded him to speak, or that shall speak in the name of other gods, even that prophet shall die. So if you were a false prophet in the Old Testament times, and you went around and you gave a false prophecy, it was a death sentence. Next verse. And if thou shalt say in thine heart, how shall we know the word which the Lord hath not spoken? How are we going to know if this guy is a false or a true prophet? Next, the, the answer is in the next verse. When a prophet speaketh in the name of the Lord, if the thing follow not, nor come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord hath not spoken. So, from my interpretation of this, if you're a true prophet, you better be nailing it 100% of the time. Not 80 and that's what they said. It's probably not even near 80%. And then you have all the prophecies which took place before uh, 1590, which were perfectly accurate. Yeah, but they knew history when that book was released. And it wasn't even Mal the Malachi that released it. It was this guy, Benedictine Arnold de Wyon in 1595, was the author of the prophecy of the popes. How do we even know what really was going on? Who wrote what? We don't know any of that. This is beyond a faulty, questionable foundation. And we're basing all of this off this dude? This guy that's burning in hell? Saint Malachi or whatever? Malachi? Why do I want to base biblical things and biblical prophecies off a guy that's burning in hell? Isn't that kind of a red flag? Why don't we talk about that a little bit? I haven't heard Horner Putnam mention that. That he's burning in hell. <laughs> Is that not important? So, if the thing follow not, nor come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord hath not spoken. But the prophet hath spoken it presumptuously, thou shalt not be afraid of him. Now, going further into Tom Horn's verbiage, this is part two of Petrus Romanus, we read, After studying the history of the prophecy of the popes and the surrounding scholarly literature, we have some good news and some bad news. What's that? You want the bad news first. Um, sure, no problem. Let's get to the un this unpleasantness out of the way so we can then go back and refocus and validate it. Let's get this unpleasantness out of the way. <laughs> the bad news is, is that part of the prophecy may be a forgery, <laughs> which was fabricated around 1590. We say forgery, meaning that over half of the prophecies, the first 70 or so predictions, are vatensia ex eventu, meaning the prophecy from the event. It seems someone irrevocably altered the original medieval document, and the original is either hidden away or lost to history. This is what we're basing everything off? That's not even mentioning the red flag I just said about the guy that produced it. After the fact, after 70 prophecies, which were had already happened, well, they were, they were predicted. Says who? Says you? After the fact? And you say... Come on, I mean, this is garbage. This has more holes in it than a piece of Swiss cheese. I mean, this is unbelievable. And this is what all the fervor's about? 
Am I straining at a gnat and swallowing a camel? No, I think that this is valid, what we're getting into here. But the exciting news is that the prophecy of the popes, although tainted, <laughs> although tainted, he even says it, this is straight from Tom Horn's website, is still a genuine prophecy. How could something be leavened and tainted and still be a genuine prophecy, especially when it comes out of this wicked, evil institution known as the Roman Catholic Church, which has the blood of millions and millions and probably billions of martyrs and Catholics that are burning in hell on its hands and their pedophilic priesthood celibate death cult. So although it's tainted, it's still a genuine prophecy. Why? Because you say so? It's not what the Bible says. How many red flags do you need to see right off the bat? Despite the superficial insincerity detectable in the first section of prophecies, <laughs> I mean, this is such garbage, the post-publication predictions show astonishing fulfillments. We have no critical analysis to explain away the sometimes jaw-dropping post-1595 fulfillments. Indeed, we are currently at the 111th out of the 112 popes, and believe and believers argue they seem to have increased in precision over time. So it's like we're supposed to ignore all of the other falses. That 80% that that guy was talking about, he didn't specify I got a feeling that's 80% if you look at all of them. Well, we know the first 70, which are like over half, were written, you know, 1590 or after that. And these were all things that had already occurred. How easy would that be to forge? All you'd have to know is the history of time before you were born. Those are pretty easy to forge, you know? It'd be like, you know, me releasing prophecies and me citing all of the presidents up until now. Starting with George Washington. Yeah, I got them all right. How'd you do that? Well, I got a history book and I, and I just wrote them all down and acted like they were prophetic. <laughs> it's, it's so ridiculous. And this is what all the fervor's about? Listen, I'm not saying this, this might not be the last pope. Okay? I'm not saying that. He may be the false prophet. I would have no problem with any of that. But I'm sure not going to base it off some supposed devil, quote, Catholic saint who's burning in hell right now, whose supposed prophecies have so many red flags that I just pointed out. Why would I want to base it on something like that? Now, Let's say, yeah, but you still can't explain away. Yeah, 80% accuracy, and that's probably including the first 70. It's not. He still, he'd still have to be, biblically speaking, he'd still have to be killed. Why? Well, because he wasn't right 100% of the time. A true prophet of God has to nail it 100% of the time. That's what the Bible says in Deuteronomy 18. I just read that. And, the, and, the, and it's a death, so... How do we get around that one? I mean, I'm sure there's some psychics, there's some palm readers, there's some witches that scry crystal balls that have over a 
rate. How does that happen? How do they get that knowledge? I'm going to explain that to you right now. I'm going to explain that to you so you can understand how a devil like this, Malachi, how he could have gotten this foreknowledge. Well, it had to be divinely inspired according to Chris Putnam. No, it doesn't. Does a witch, is a witch divinely inspired when she reads your mail and tells you all the stuff about yourself? My mom's went to psychics. I've been next to her one time and this psychic dude was reading her mail, essentially. He was going around the room and it was in the dark and I was right next to her. It's before I was saved. And he got to her. And this is no different than this Malachi thing. He got to her and he said, you had a child before your son was born and it was a miscarriage. And she's shaking her head. I'm like, what? I never knew none of this. I had a brother. Died a year before I was born. She miscarried my brother. A year before I was born and I had never known that up to that point. I was like, Probably 11 or 12 at that point. She never told me that. Everything he said was true. This is why my mom got hooked into the New Age movement. Because of garbage like this. She went to a palm reader once. She came back. I think it was in Key West. And she said, yeah. She said, I was getting my palm read. And she said, your son plays Little League Baseball. It was the only time in my life I had ever played Little League Baseball. And this palm reader got it right. Does that mean the palm readers of God and it's divinely inspired? No. The witch or whoever demonic, occultic prognosticator, whether it's astrology, scrying a crystal ball, reading tea leaves, tarot cards, whatever, they're communicating with familiar spirits. They're communicating with spirits that are familiar with you. You. And those familiar spirits are communicating with the witches or warlocks or whatever's familiar spirits and telling them about you. And I do believe sometimes they do have some demonic foreknowledge. And I'm going to explain that in a minute. My mom was so deluded that she believed that she was a little Dutch boy in a former life. I'm not making this stuff up. A lot of people believe in former life, reincarnation. The Bible says, it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. Well, no, it's the great karmic will. Show me that in the Bible. No, it's not. You either go to heaven or hell. But see, if people think they can come back and do it over again, hey, I can live like a devil this life, I get to get, have another crack at it. Yeah, true, I might come back as a dung beetle, but you know, those are the chances I take. No, you either go to heaven or hell. That's a satanic cop-out. Reincarnation is a total satanic cop-out. Well then... How is it when I went back into hypnotic regression that, that, that I started speaking like a little Dutch boy in a different language? Because, guess what? You got their familiar spirit, and that familiar spirit, just because when the little Dutch boy died, it didn't just go to hell with that person. It wandered the earth. Just like the Bible, just, just like Jesus Christ said, when a spirit goeth out of a man, it wandereth in dry places, looking for a body that it may inhabit. It just so happened to inhabit your body. And when you go into hypnotic regression, all of a sudden, you got this familiar spirit talking through this person about stuff that that person never knew. And so they get captivated and think, oh, I was a little Dutch boy in a former life. That's what happened to my mom. 
Happens to tons of people. Tons. This is why some people are MPD, multiple personality disorders. They have all these different people that will come, these altars that come up with them. They're different familiar spirits that occupy different people at different time frames. And they're possessing this person and they're, they're possessing them to such an extent that they'll literally change a personality. And this one, an altar will take over. A demon will take over. And it might even be in a different voice, different inflections. It might be masculine, it might be feminine. And all these people buy into this garbage. And that's exactly what's happening. It's so easy to explain. Yet, I'm sorry, I don't hear a lot of preachers getting into this kind of stuff. It's important. Because we have to be able to... We're not supposed to be ignorant of Satan's devices, lest he get an advantage of us. 2 Corinthians 2.11 This is how people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because they're ignorant of Satan's devices. This is a major device of Satan. So the whole Malachi thing, well then how do we, how would they know the future? Here, I'm gonna explain that to you right now. Okay? Cause I can understand, okay, your, your little boy is playing baseball right now and, um, you had a miscarriage a long time ago. Okay, that's all stuff in the past. But how do they know the future? Alright, I'm gonna explain that right now. Here it is. My comment, this is on the PDF for this teaching. Until Satan is cast out of heaven, Bringing on the start of the Great Tribulation, which is in the near future, he has access to heaven. Did you know that? Where does it say that? Revelation 12, 7? Now this is, this is into the tribulation here. And there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, Satan. And the dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not. So the, Satan didn't prevail. Him and his fallen angels did not prevail against Michael and the good angels. Praise the Lord. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Notice where he was cast out to into the earth. And this is really when I believe the Great Tribulation starts, when it really gets bad. Where else do we see that Satan was in heaven? Job 1.6 And there was a day when the sons of God, these are the good angels. These are the angels that were good up until the point in Genesis 6. Now, not these ones. But the ones, good angels are referred to in the Old Testament as the sons of God. Do a keyword search for that phrase. Okay, in the Old Testament, not the New. In the New Testament, the sons of God are referred to as Bible-believing Christians. In the Old Testament, that phrase, the sons of God, only refers to angels. Only. Does not refer to Bible-believing born-again Christians, which did not exist in the Old Testament. I mean, Jesus Christ had not died on the cross. Okay, yet. That phrase only refers to good angels in the Old Testament. If we compare scripture with scripture, line upon line, precept upon precept, if we study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, 2 Timothy 2.15, then that's what we're going to quickly see. What does this phrase mean in the Old Testament? Angels. Good angels. In Genesis 6, 
Sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair, and they took them wise all the chip. That was when they fell. They, they went from being the sons of God, good angels, to fallen angels, and produced a fallen offspring called the fallen ones, which in Hebrew is translated the word Nephilim, which was translated into the English as giants. Now there was a day when the sons of God, these were the good angels, came to present themselves before the Lord. This is in Job 1.6. And Satan came also among them. Did you know Satan had access to the heaven? Yes, he did. He's going to have access to the heavens, to heaven, until Revelation 12.8 and 9. When he's cast out of heaven onto the earth. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Where you been, Satan? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. Notice earth and heaven are two different places in this verse. Satan has access to heaven. Which brings me to my next point. Well, I'm going to read this. This is my comment. And I wanted to put this in there so the comment was in the PDF. Not just in the audio, but in the PDF. So you could read it and say, oh, I get it. All I'm doing here is it's like the Bible says, come let us reason together, say the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as wool. I'm just, let's say, let's just look at this biblically speaking. This really isn't that hard to figure out how a person like a witch warlock, prognosticator, diviner, whatever you want to call them, or some guy like St. Malachi or whatever his name is, Malachi or whatever, how he could have divine, actually undivine foreknowledge. How can he have that? So Satan has access to heaven. Heaven, Father God, and the Lord Jesus Christ are not subject to time. They exist outside of time. Most likely, they created time for the sake of man. Think of time like a big capsule. They literally, from the heavens, can look down on this capsule of time and see the beginning and the end. The beginning, Genesis 1, the end, the end of Revelation, like Revelation 22. They could see the beginning and the end and everything in between. How, if that wasn't the case, how did they take John, the revelator, and put him into Revelation and show him all this stuff? If that wasn't the case. If time was happening right now. How could they take, pluck him out and put him in Revelation, which is even future from where we're at right now, and show him all this stuff? Most of it, at least. Because, think of time like a capsule. They can look at any point in time, past, present, or future, and know exactly what's going to happen. If you have access to heaven, although I don't think Satan has total pure foreknowledge, he also knows the Bible better than most Christians do. So from that standpoint, he knows what his fate is going to be. He knows things from the biblical standpoint. The devil does. But he also, I believe, has some limited foreknowledge whatever God's chosen to let him see of the future. Because he, is, he has access to heaven, and heaven is outside of time. You, you understand my point? Am I making myself clear? 
Okay, so, they, meaning God the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, people that have entities that have access to heaven, but particularly Father God and the Lord Jesus Christ, know the beginning from the end. Okay? They know the book of Revelation is fact and will be fulfilled precisely, and so does the devil. They can look on, in on at any point in time, past, present, future, and most likely the devil and his fallen, fallen angels have some type of similar access as well. I'm not saying they have total access, but I believe they have some, some access. If Satan really thought he was going to win, why does the Bible say, in Revelation 12, 12, Therefore rejoice ye heavens. Now this is after he's cast out of heaven and thrown to the earth. Okay? If Satan really thought that he was going to win this thing, why does it say in Revelation 12, 12, Therefore rejoice ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea. For the devil has come down unto you, having great wrath. Because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. If he knew he was going to win, why does he know he hath but a short time? <laughs> Think about that one. You know? So he knows he's going to lose. He knows because he has divine... Not, oh well, he does have, I guess you could say, divine foreknowledge as far as if he knows the book of Revelation. Or what Father God, Jesus Christ, has revealed to him. From that standpoint, it would be divine foreknowledge. You know what I mean? But he knows he has but a short time. So, if Satan has foreknowledge of past, present, and future events, then he can impart this foreknowledge to his unholy prophets as he sees fit. This is how unholy prophets like Malachi and Nostradamus, who, who Tom Horn also references, Get their prophetic powers. Let me say that last sentence again because I said all that, all the stuff I just said to say that one sentence. If Satan has foreknowledge of past, present, and future events, then he can impart this foreknowledge to his unholy prophets as he sees fit through his familiar spirits, through demons, devils, fallen angels, whatever. This is how unholy prophets like Malachi and Nostradamus, get their prophetic powers. What, what's the other point? Well, they're men of God. Yeah, right. Nostradamus? Malachi? No, they're not. They're both burning in hell right now. And they will be cast in the lake of fire at the great white throne judgment. There's a big red flag there, if you ask me. I mean, just call me crazy. But, you know. Which are really no different than a witch scrying a crystal ball, reading tea leaves or tarot cards, or communicating with demonic spirits to gain foreknowledge of an event. Oh, a psychic. Every once in a while, out of 100 psychics, one gets it right, and they predict where a body's at. How's that happen? Well, the devil knows where the murder took place. The devil knows the murderer. Some psychic gets some, some whatever demonic foreknowledge of this thing and then Satan comes out smelling like a rose who gets glory it's sure, it's sure not God hopefully I've made that point abundantly clear
So his videos and radio interviews have been downloaded. And this guy, I've never seen anybody blow their own horn more than, than Horn and, really Horn and Putnam, and Horn in particular. This picture of him, he's in a, a suit, and he's got his arms crossed with a Bible in one hand, and he's looking like the stern look. Come on, are you kidding me? Can you imagine if I did that on my site? <laughs> I think it'd be hilarious. I mean, I cannot take this guy seriously. His videos and radio interviews have been downloaded hundreds of thousands of times. He is interviewed by United States congressmen and senators on his findings. Top media around the world have repeatedly turned on him as an authority on future events. Shouldn't you pay attention when Dr. Thomas R. Horn says the new book, Petrus Romanus, is, quote, without question, the most important research in our lifetime? I thought the word of God was that. And it's not like he's not totally blowing his own horn by saying this. No pun intended. His name's Tom Horn. Um, uh, is this guy's ego like the size of Hoboken or is it my imagination? What, what, what is this? <laughs> you gotta see this picture. I got it in the thing. Shouldn't you pay attention when when Dr. Thomas R. Horn says the new book, Petrus Romanus, which just so happens to be his book. <laughs> I'm sure there's no hidden agenda there. Without question is the most important research in our lifetime. Oh yeah. And it's totally based on all this Catholic garbage. For anybody who really cares about their future. See, if, if what's he implying there? Well, if you don't read my book and pay the money for my book, then you don't care about your future. Oh, there's no guilt there. For anybody who really cares about their future, the time has come to listen up. Punk. Actually, I put the punk part in, but I, I think it'd been a nice touch, you know. <laughs> I'm sorry, but, you know, this is pretty wacky. Let's go further. Uh, his next article, next report, Pope Benedict steps down and Renee Theobald's 2012 prediction redeemed. Who's Renee Theobald? Now, this is off Tom Horn's website. This is right straight from it. Back in April of 2012, Tom Horn and I revealed the obscure work of a Belgian Jesuit Catholic, the most wicked faction of Catholicism, the Jesuits, okay? The most cutthroat evil devils that just about ever walked the earth. Like, that should make me brim with confidence over the prophecy or whatever we're going to be revealed as. Oh, he's a Jesuit. He's a real man of Satan. I need to just really, really pay attention now. Be ashamed. I'd be like, you know. But no, it's the exact opposite. Tom Horn and I revealed the obscure work of Belgian Jesuit Catholic who predicted the final pope in April of 2012, based on a 900-year-old prophecy of, of St. Uh, Mal Malcolm. I put all of his work on a spreadsheet and calculated it all down by the days. Again, why are we so incredibly fixated on here's another Jesuit Catholic guy, and we've just got to just totally pour our hearts into his research. Another guy that's burning in hell right now. And we're going to just drop everything and put down all his work on a spreadsheet and calculate it down to all the days. Because it's just that important. 
And he's even got an original link to where he did this. Consequently, we were a little disappointed when it seemed like Rene Theobald was mistaken. As it turns out, though, he was far more correct than anyone ever knew. Again, validating a Jesuit Catholic guy who's going off St. Malachi's work here. Again, pointing people clearly to the Catholic Church as a source of prophetic truth. Really, really bad signals if you ask me. In fact, Benedict resigned de facto in March 2012, according to New York Times, that the resignation was long in the planning was confirmed by Giovanni Maria Vian, the editor of the Vatican newspaper, who wrote on Monday that the Pope's decision was taken many months ago after his trip to Mexico and Cuba in 2012 and kept and kept with a reserve that no one could violate. That's not true. I mean, that's been known for like the last year. That this guy was going to step down. But again, here we, we're, we're pointing to Rene Theobald, the Jesuit Catholic of times past, or whatever, is redeemed. There's no mixed signals there. Uh, let's see here. I'm going to go ahead and end part one here, and we'll go to part two next. So God bless you, and we'll see you in part two. Scott Johnson's weekly audios are available for free 24-7 on the internet at contendingfortruth.com. That's C-O-N-T-E-N-D-I-N-G-F-O-R-T-R-U-T-H.com. Please help us continue this work. To support this ministry, our mailing address is Scott Johnson. Second line, 450 Conover, C-O-N-O-V-E-R, Boulevard West, number 202. Third line, Conover, North Carolina, 28613. Or on the internet, PayPal can be used at contendingfortruth.com. Thank you, and may the Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you.